All of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united in a resurrection like his. God knows what he's doing. I've said that on other occasions, and it shouldn't be news to any of us, but I think it's something worth reminding ourselves of anyway, especially in times like movement through Holy Week. The disciples needed to know as they went that way with Jesus that God did know what he was doing, that the Lord was the Lord. They struggled with it. We struggle with it at times. They held on to the things that they knew of Jesus. The transfiguration fits in there before he starts on the way to Jerusalem as one of those things for Peter, James, and John to get fast locked in their hearts. He spoke to them different words. You remember at the Last Supper, him speaking of things that were to come and with that word that I'm telling you these things now so that later you will remember that I told you when these things come to pass. Get them in your heads. Get them in your hearts. A lot of the basics of our faith are things that we need to keep reminding ourselves of to make sure that we're holding them fast, especially in those times when it's hard to make sense of them, when it's harder to believe. God is the creator of all things. He is the beginning and the ending. He creates nothing giving it a beginning without the ending already being in mind. He is the beginning and ending of all things. Everything has its perfection in him. Really important when we go back to the creation, when we think about him setting out things. There's so much mystery as to how all of that story unfolds, but We know without question that God acts according to his purposes, according to his love, that when he begins, he too is at the end and he knows what goes on in between. He has his purpose. He has his plans. We think about it when we go through the creation story, when we hear about the fall of our first parents. We know that in the garden that As they turn away from God, he's not caught off guard by what they do. That he's not back to the drawing board looking for a plan B. That even as he curses the serpent, there's the backhanded blessing that comes in, the assurance that there will be the seed of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent's seed. And that word is spoken with full confidence. We know it as the the proto-evangelium the first gospel, because we know that Christ is that seed of the woman who is to come. St. Paul, later, as he's writing to the Ephesians, will write with real confidence that before the foundation of the world, God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless, to be gathered into that new life in him. But I think back to those words, particularly in the garden, and something really important in what God sets out at that point. It's the seed of the woman. Now, other translations will render it as the offspring. 
But the Hebrew that's there is specifically the seed. And on the one hand, I always connect that with the virginal conception of our Lord, because in the ancient world, you speak about the man carrying the seed. That comes over in our vocabulary. Sperma is the Greek word, um, what the man carries, but plants in the garden of the woman and the fruit comes to grow. But we're talking about the seed of the woman. And you can do that in the ancient language, but it always, for me, reminds me that the human nature is drawn from none but the, the Blessed Virgin Mary, from the mother of our Lord. But the other thing that I think about is just that really interesting word, seed. I don't know if you were paying attention on that level to the readings as they went by tonight, but we hear about, as all things were created, about the, the plants that are there and the seed that is in them. And they're reproducing after their kind. The seed is essential. We know that death came into the world because of sin. Human beings came to die, and indication that perhaps the animals likewise, and since that we don't hear about the killing and sacrifice or for food before that, again, you can do the recap afterwards. You can go back through the lessons and go back and read again and remember that, that it was the plants that were being given for food at that point. The diet doesn't change until after the flood. And then we hear about animals being given as well. Even in the garden, there is no sacrifice that is offered, no animal sacrifice until after the fall. And then it comes by righteous Abel, but it's after the fall. After they have fallen and for the first time their nakedness is a problem, they have their fig leaves, but the Lord makes them garments of animal skins and clothes them. And there's a sense that even then there's a cost. Death with sin, but there's already a death that is prepared a way that points us to not only the death, but the resurrection of Jesus. And there are the different times that I think about the risen Lord spending time with his disciples have you ever tried to go through Scripture and figure out what all he has in mind when he opens to them the Word and goes back through beginning at Moses and goes through the prophets and the Psalms and shows how all of these things point to him, but particularly they point to his death and resurrection, his suffering and death, his rising on the third day and the forgiveness of sins being proclaimed in his name. But his death and resurrection... And it struck me, it just struck me as I was going through the lessons this time and going back and thinking about something that's always struck me about the Romans passage. I'll get there in just a moment. But I thought about this business of the seed, the setting from the very beginning, from the very beginning of creation, of the model, of the pattern that is there, of the death and resurrection. When the animals die, it's a hopeless thing. When human beings die, it's a loss of life. Without Christ coming in to raise us from the dead, soul and body are separated. We're separated from God. We're separated in our sins. But from the very beginning, God builds into his creation this business of the seed. And the seed of the plant, well, what does the seed do? The seed is meant to die. The seed life moves towards death. 
It's there in the fruit, but the seed is produced and its end is to... Oh, Jesus spoke of that. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. From the beginning of creation, God has set this out in the seed, that the seed life moves towards death. But it's not the death like the animal life. It's the death that is into the, the good soil. And the husk of the old life is meant to fall off and the roots to go down. And it's to grow up into life, into fruitful life, life that grows up in abundance. And that's a really good picture a really good model of that resurrection life. Because what is it that the Lord will promise us? It's this whole business of coming to to sleep in Him. To come to let go of that old life. Well, we die. Yes, but we die to that life that is moving towards death. Because of sin, that's the end of it. But Jesus comes into the world to share in that life of ours, to share in that fallen life No, he's without sin, but he shares all the ravages of the sin-tormented life. He lets our sins carry him down into the grave. But this is the true seed of the woman. And you can think Isaiah 6 as well, where you have that vision that Isaiah has of everything being cut down, the end of the chapter. It's at the time of his calling. You know, how long, O Lord, do I have to preach hard words that people won't receive? Well, until cities are made waste, until everything, all the outer glory is taken down. And it's like a tree that's been cut, leaving only the stump in the ground. But, well, it doesn't say but, but I hear the but. The holy seed is its stump. Christ goes down into the grave as that holy seed that sinks down and that image just again and again I've talked to a few people recently coming back to why I love in the Apostles Creed proclaiming that he descended into hell you know all the commentaries and other translations will tell you well that's the place of the dead it doesn't imply all of the punishments and things I mean why does Jesus go to hell well he goes down as far as our sins can carry us. Not because they could take him down, but because that's what he came to do. He allows the weight to carry him. And he goes down as deep as our sins can carry us. And I would suggest even deeper. He goes to the right depths of that territory that the devil thinks he can claim. And it's there that the husk of the seed breaks open and it's there that the roots go down even deeper because Satan's realm is an illusion. It's his own little kingdom, but there's no reality. It's no, it's no lasting thing. But now we get to Romans. Romans 5, I spent time often going through Romans as a whole, and in Romans 5 you get what I would consider the objective truth, what God has in fact accomplished. Chapter 6 then gives you the subjective. Subjective just in the sense of how that takes hold in our lives. Okay, now this should be familiar ground to some of you. We had in those words from Romans 6, 
If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. But if you know the King James Version, you know that that opening phrase is, if we have been planted together with him. And that's a better sense for me of the translation because sum futas is the word, and the sum or sun at the start of a word is the, is the together part. We talk about synthesis and it's like that, bringing things together. But the fuo, fuo is the verb, and that's the kind of the blowing in. It's the germinating of the seed. And the picture that's always there in my head then is that as Christ goes down, we don't simply die. We don't die like the seed that falls on the wayside that has no root or that which is going to grow up then amongst the, the thorns or in the shallow soil, the, the parable of the sower. But in fact, falling into the good soil with Christ. And Colossians 3, it'll be that, you know, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's that image that is there. But the sense that we go down with him and because he is with us in our death as we are in his death, then we know that we are raised up with him. And the way I've spoken before, the two seeds go to the ground, but only one plant grows up because it's us in Christ. I am the vine, you are the branches. You need to abide in me. If you abide in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit, and it's fruit that will last. Tonight we come on the one hand to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And that's the delight and that's our proclamation. But it's not just that sometime long ago, 2,000 years ago, in a land far, far away that maybe some of you have visited, that a man named Jesus, who was the divine Son of God, rose from the dead, broke open the tomb, but that that same Lord draws us into that life. That's what we're baptized into, that life in Christ. And as we are buried with him, planted together with him in his death, so we know that we are raised up with him into the life that is everlasting. There's the one other little image that came back that really struck me a couple of years ago in reading Palm Sunday and in Luke's version where as the cries are going out, the the authorities are saying, tell them to be quiet, tell them to be quiet. You know, this is going to cause a ruckus. We're going to get in trouble. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth that if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And I gave you the picture of the seed, but of course, when Jesus goes down as the seed, he doesn't go into the earth. He goes into the tomb. He goes into the stone. He goes into the rock. And out of the rock that seems to be dry and barren and impenetrable comes that bursting forth of the life. You can think of all the pictures you may have seen of where grass or roots or trees or something is growing right up through the pavement. Concrete can't withstand the tree that is growing through. But here, the bursting forth. Yeah. They made silent. The crying of the crowds. We heard the crucify Him, but even that died away. The Word of God. 
silenced on Good Friday with that last cry from the cross. But it's the seed that goes down into the depths. Into the soil, sure, but into the very depths of hell. Into the dryness, into the barrenness, into the coldness, into the grayness, into the dungeon, into the tomb. And that word does not remain silent and the cry that comes out is, I am the resurrection and the life. And our cry joined with him on this holy feast. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia.